this is totally off topic, not, not related, but I came across this when I was uh, studying and writing this message, and, and I just, I'm going to create, and, and I'm going to get a graphic and everything, and I'm going to display it every time it pops up. I'm going to display the biblical humble brag hall of fame. The, the, the Bible humble brag hall of fame. And we all know the first name on there would be Apostle John, right? Because Apostle John is the apostle Jesus loved the most. And we know that because it's in the Bible. Because John said, the next name on that list is Moses. Do you know why? Because Moses said he was the most humble man in the world. The Bible says Moses was a very humble man. There was no man more humble than him. It's in Numbers. Who wrote Numbers? Moses. A humble brag. Hall of Fame. Man, Paul would be up there too. He said some things as well. Uh, it just cracked me up. I was coming come across that in my uh, in my, in my research. Uh, so we are going to continue our this is what it looks like message, and we're going to talk about the fruit of gentleness. The fruit of gentleness. Just to remind us, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Against these things. There is no law, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. So we're going to be talking about gentleness today. Uh, it's very interesting, depending on your translation, depending on the age of your translation, this word might be um, interpreted uh, in three different ways. There's, there's three different English words that we use to interpret the Hebrew and the Greek uh, of, of the word um, and it's meek and gentle. Those are the two common ones. Older translations will do meek a lot. And our newer translations translate a lot of that as gentle. Uh, and then also humble. And so they're, they're really related. What I find interesting is... Um, in the Beatitudes, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. That is the same. It's the same Greek root for gentle. It's the same word. So I said, okay, so let's talk about what that is. Uh, I think it's important to know that, again, as with most of these fruits and most of these characteristics, the world has a view on it that isn't correct. And so most of, the, uh, most of us will look at the word meek from a worldly perspective, or even gentle, and we'll kind of put a synonym of weak next to, next to it. That if you're meek, you're you're weak. You know, we. Um, I get the picture of Superman. This is a very common one. Superman is Superman. He literally can do anything. Indestructible. Can do anything, especially early on. They would just create things. Oh, he has super breath, that can freeze things. It's like, okay, Superman could do anything. Clark Kent, though, bumbling, weak, could barely pick up a pencil. You know, I wonder how he did his job as a reporter. Never saw him write anywhere. And it's funny because they, they really stressed this picture of this weak Clark Kent to, to juxtapose that he's actually secretly Superman. 
So the world likes to like gentle, right? We like to put gentleness as a, a female characteristic, uh, which is another way our society says a weakness. I don't think it is, but it's a strength. But there's this passi- passivity with meek. There's this passivity with gentle. So if you're describing somebody, or if you do a picture, you got a picture in your mind, it's probably somebody small, maybe curled in on themselves, not physically imposing, maybe doesn't look people in the eye. We think timidity. But when you dig into the Greek, it's very interesting because it's not about passivity, it's not about timidity, it's actually about control. Meek or gentle was used to describe a horse, a wild horse that's been tamed. So it's not about weakness, it's about strength in submission or strength in control. The word was used to describe animals that were wild but were now tamed. Its meaning is actually controlled strength. Have you ever heard of gentling an animal? You guys ever heard of gentling an animal? Comes up a lot with horses, also with dogs. It's the practice of taming them gently through time and relationship and gentle guidance. The opposite of that would be breaking in a horse, which is a quick process with brute strength and pain, typically, on the horse's part. Gentling an animal was just taming them peaceably. So it's not about weakness, it's about control and submission. It's about our strength being absolutely controlled. It's really interesting because it makes sense because if I hand you something fragile and I say, be gentle, you'll immediately start to adjust your movements and you will be begin to put yourself in control so that you don't accidentally break it. My kids have none of this. They have no gentleness. I say, can you give me a hug? And I get kneed in the stomach. I get kicked in the shin. I get headbutted in my nose. I'm like, I just wanted a hug. How did hug become a full contact sport? Every night I get beat up by my children because they don't have any control of their strength. They are not gentle. I love them. They're enthusiastic, but they are not gentle. That's why humility is actually linked with this meekness and gentleness. That's why they're connected. Because humility, if I give you a biblical definition of humility, I've done it before. Most of you could probably repeat this with me. Humility is knowing exactly who you are. It is not thinking more highly of yourself. That's called pride. It is not thinking less of yourself. That's called false humility. Humility is thinking exactly of yourself. Romans 12, 3, For it is through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, do not think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to do, but to think so as to have a sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Paul is saying you can think highly of yourself. There's an appropriate amount of highly <laughs> for you. So, Humility is not, I am less, I am a worm, I am the worst person in the world. Humility is actually going, I know exactly who I am. 
And you connect that with gentleness because humility is saying, I know who I am, and gentleness says, but I am going to come under you and control who I am, control my strength to serve you, however that may be. I've said this before, our holiness is actually, if you want to measure holiness, biblically, if you want to measure holiness, you measure holiness not by how many rules you follow, you measure holiness by the, liberal, the liberalness in your life. How much freedom do you have? That's actually how you measure holiness. The less freedom you have, the less holy you are. The more you follow and have to follow rules, the more things are sinful for you. We've, I've preached on this before. But it's really interesting. Whenever someone who has the liberty of Christ gets next to someone who has less liberty of Christ, who wins? Huh? No. The one with less liberty, because the person with liberty is supposed to submit themselves so as not to cause their brother or sister to stumble. They're supposed to treat them gently and with gentleness. That's why being humble is connected to this word. That's why sometimes they, humility is translated, the word is actually translated as humility as opposed to meekness or gentleness. Because it's all connected. I love it though. I love when the world catches up with God's wisdom. I love it. I love when you hear things and you go, Christians knew that for years. Or we should have known that because it's in our Bible. And now the rest of the world's catching up. For instance, the world of psychology, psychiatry is finally catching up and realizing when our self-esteem is higher, we, are, we not only feel better about ourselves but we're more resilient. Brain scans demonstrate that when our self-esteem is higher, we are likely to experience common emotional wounds such as rejection and failure as less painful. We bounce back from them more quickly. When our self-esteem is higher, we are also less vulnerable to anxiety. There's a pandemic in Christianity where we tend to idolize false humility. We tend to go, it's holy to think of less of myself than I ought. And it's not. And it actually is more damaging to us if we really believe that. It's actually pride if we're doing it just to put on a face. But if we actually genuinely believe we're less than, and we don't really know who we are, rooted in Christ and our identity, then it's false humility and it's damaging to us. Because we begin to think less of ourselves. And it's amazing to me that psychiatry can can say, hey, we've seen this in our, we've seen the activity in the brain. This is, that we are more resilient when we think more highly of ourselves. We are more, we are less likely to get offended, less likely to be angry at somebody over common, I love it, common emotional wounds, because rejection is common to everybody. We all experience it every single day. We experience rejection or fear of rejection. Even with Alyssa, my wife, who knows me more than anyone else, the person I'm closest to, I have fears of rejection with her. How will she take this? If I say this and she gave me that look. Or she'll give me a look and I'll go, what happened? She hates me. You know? This is very common. But if I think highly of myself, I'm much more likely to go, it's all right. I misunderstood that. Or she don't know what she's talking about. Because I'm great. Huh? And that's what humility is. You see, we need to have the fruit of the spirit of gentleness or meekness 
not because we're weak, but because we're strong. We don't need to have a fruit of controlling our strength if we don't have strength. That's why it's important. That's why I'm talking about humility because I want you guys to understand it's not thinking less, it's thinking exactly who you are. Who are you? You're a child of God. You're beloved of God. You're a brother to Jesus. You're a container of the Holy Spirit. He uses you to speak his words to this world. You're redeemers. You're hope bringers. That's powerful. That's big. That's huge. You're strong and mighty in the Lord. I want you all to believe that. I want you to make mistakes because you think you're so strong. I do. I want a church of people who think, I'm amazing and strong in the Lord. I'm going to go do this thing and trip and fall. Rather than people that go, I don't know. It's only you, Lord. If he wills, if he does it. And they don't do anything because they're actually fearful and think they just can't. I'd rather deal with the bruises of making a mistake than the lack of opportunity of fear. I was researching this, and I just told Alyssa, I said, this, this thing is huge. Gentleness is just, it's huge. I can take this in so many directions. I can start attacking things that need to get attacked. I just, I don't know, I don't know where to go. I was like, men, let's talk about toxic masculinity and Christianity. Right? <laughs> Silence. <laughs> Women are like, do it, do it, go there. Men are like, that's a, that's a men's only topic. That's not, I don't think that's appropriate right now. But I could because what gentleness, controlled strength. You know, it's really interesting. We, we talk about, you know, submitting to one another and wives submit to your husbands. First Peter, Peter talks about this. He goes, wives submit to your husbands, obey your husbands. But it says, husbands treat your wives. With gentleness. And I said, oh, ouch. Okay, Lord. Because it says, treat your wives with gentleness. Because you know what happens if you don't? You know what Paul, Peter says? Your prayers are hindered. God won't listen to you. Men, if you don't treat your wife well. Does that mean I don't, do I need the fruit of gentleness in my life? Well, do you want God to hear your prayers? Right. We're just going to pretend that didn't happen. <laughs> oh, man. But this touches so much. I was just so shocked. You know, um, Paul writes two types of letters in the New Testament. He, t he writes letters to um, churches, and he writes letters to individuals. And the majority of the individual letters are actually to his spiritual children, encouraging them because he sends them away to lead. Like he sent Timothy uh, to, Corinth, to Corinth. And he writes Timothy two letters. 
2 Timothy, he says, the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of truth. He says the same, or, or close to the same to Titus as well. Gentleness is a fundamental characteristic of a leader. Again, I shared when I was going through the fruits that I was going to be teaching on, so much of them jumped out at me as, oh, I'm teaching on this because I need to learn. And this was one of them. But it isn't just leaders. In Galatians, Paul says, Brothers and sisters, even if a person is caught in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual are to restore such a person in a spirit of meekness, gentleness. Each one looking to yourself that you are not tempted as well. In Ephesians, he says, Therefore I, a prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. You see, we talk about the fruit isn't just for us, the fruit is for other people. How do people access the fruit of gentleness in my life? They access it because... I've said this to you before. It's actually our responsibility. Paul says, I'm not here to judge the world. I'm not here to judge the world. I'm here to judge Christians. Okay, Paul says that. In 1 Corinthians, he says that. He's, it, it's actually really interesting. He <laughs> I love this because Paul is funny because Paul is like really bold. And really, like, frank in um, when he writes letters. And he kind of says, when I'm with you, I'm not this bold. Like, I'm not this blunt when I'm with you. So it's, I think it's always funny. So I'm like, maybe I should write some letters. No, just teasing. But, like, for instance, if you guys want to want to read something, read Romans 1 and read Romans 2. Because it's amazing. Romans 1 He's, he's talking to the, the church in Rome, and he's talking to the Jewish contingent in the church in Rome. Because the church in Rome was split between the Gentiles and the Jews, and that's why he wrote the letter, to address that divide. So in Roman 1, he's talking to the Jews, and he lulls them into this false sense of security. And if you read it, he, he just blasts the Gentiles. He blasts the unbelievers. I mean, there's this whole list that we quote somewhat out of context about how terrible and evil and awful that the Gentiles are. And you're like, oh my gosh, he's really going for it. And then the first line of chapter 2, and you are just like them. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh. Can you imagine? Just He got all the Jews going, yeah, that's right. That, wait, what? <laughs> and you are just like them. So he's really, really bold. And I love in Corinthians, he goes, would you want me to come in a spirit of gentleness? Or in a spirit of rebuke? How would you like me to come? That's what he's writing to them, and he says that. And then the next, the next chapter, he talks about this issue that was happening in the Corinth church where there was this man 
who was sleeping with his father's wife. He goes, I can't believe I'm hearing about this. I can't believe you are allowing such immorality. And he says, when I said that you were not to be around immoral people, I was not talking about the world. Because if I was talking, he literally says, if I was talking about the world, you'd have to leave the world. I wasn't talking about the world. I'm talking about in the brethren. For why would I judge the world? I'm here to judge you, the church. And now I'm explaining it. I'm just getting started, Siri. Wait. And it wasn't just Paul. Paul actually tasked us with that. That's why he says, I implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling, which you've been called with all humility, gentleness, patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. I've taught on this before. You get to judge me and I get to judge you. That's my job. That's your job. We hold each other accountable. We build each other up. We do it in love. We don't do it as a power grab. We don't do it as a way to dominate. We do it in love. But that's what our job is. And when we see each other missing the mark, we are supposed to come with a spirit of gentleness. That's what the fruit is. That's why we have the fruit in our lives. So we can approach our brothers and sisters and say, I'm noticing this. Let's talk about it. Let's pray about it. Here's what I'm seeing. I was praying for somebody recently, and they were sharing a a struggle that they were having. And it was really interesting because I was praying, and then part of my prayer was, and Lord, help me when I see this person struggling in this. Help me that I would have the words. Because I was sharing with them, I said, I saw you struggling with that, but I didn't come to you because I couldn't come to you in a spirit of gentleness. So I didn't because it wouldn't have been helpful. How many of you guys have ever been approached and you weren't approached in a spirit of gentleness and you're like, well, that's just not worth the time that you took to tell me that? You're welcome. I was trying to protect you. Now you're just out of yourself. But that was, my, that was my exact line. I saw that that was happening, but I didn't come to you because I couldn't come to you in a spirit of gentleness. So I was like, Lord, help me grow the fruit in me so that when I see people struggling, I can come to them. And I'm not coming to them with a hammer. But I'm coming to them with grace and with love and gentleness. So that's why it's important that we're supposed to have the spirit of gentleness so that we can actually approach each other and we'll receive Charlie has this wonderful thing that he does, and, he, and I'm a beneficiary of it, where he just decided one day that he was just going to look at me and assume goodwill every time I did something. So when I did something that bothered him, offended him, or tweaked him, he didn't get, like, angry at me. He did that deliberately. He's being mean to me. Why is Miko such a jerk? He said, no, 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 I'm going to assume goodwill, so I'm going to talk to Miko about it. And every time he's done that to me, it's been a misunderstanding. And I've been like, I'm so sorry. That's not what I intended. I apologize. And it just, it's smooth. 
and it's easy. He comes with gentleness. He doesn't go, you did that deliberately, you jerk. How could you do that to me? I was so embarrassed. Whatever. He goes, hey, when you did this thing, here's what was kind of going on with me and what was going on. And because he assumes goodwill, he can come to me with gentleness, and I don't get defensive. And, in fact, I get contrition. Oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry that happened. I did not mean it that way. I didn't intend for you to take it that way. I didn't think it would be perceived that way. I'm sorry. And we move on. It's an amazing thing. I try and do it with my wife. I try and do it with my mom. I try and do it with everybody. I'm not very good at it. But I'm getting better. Just assume goodwill. That person didn't do that deliberately to hurt you. Because then you actually can find space to come with gentleness to go, hey, when that happened, here's what was going on. Here's what I was feeling. What, what, you know, what was happening? So that's why we start to have it with each other. Peter does something else. Because we tend to slip up here as a church. Church, I love you guys. I love the church, big C. But we tend to slip up in this area. 1 Peter 3.15. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to anyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. Because it's not just the brethren. It's not just the believers. Sometimes I wish it was that easy. But it's not. It's with everybody. It's with those that hate you. It's with those that disagree with you. It's with those that think you're crazy. It's with everybody. It's not to compromise. I love what Peter says, but make a defense. You be ready to make a defense, but you make it with gentleness and reverence. Somebody said with respect. The word reverence there is literally respect. It's with care to the person. This is where the world gets it really mixed up. We, we get, this really bothers me. This really bothers me. The church gets this so wrong. You know, I'm going to say something that might be offensive. But this is the truth. The number one damage to, to the witness of Christ in the world is Christians. The number one damage to the witness of Christ in the world is Christians. Because we get so mixed up and so confused and we decide we're going to use the world's tactics against the world. Which is ridiculous. There's a higher way. When the world goes low, we get on our knees. We don't go lower, but we do that. I don't like you. I'm going to boycott. I don't like you. I'm going to vote you out of office. I don't like you. I'm going to protest your place of business. I don't like you or believe what you're doing. I'm going to curse you. I'm going to call you a sinner. I'm going to yell that you're going to hell. But it's the truth, Nico. They are. Is that gentle? Is that with respect? Is that with reverence? Like, I'm, I don't care. By the way, boycott. If you want to boycott something, boycott. I don't care. Like, that's what I, it's your choice. Your choice. You do it. I kind of get a little bothered when it's suddenly, let's get all my friends to do it too. I get a little bothered when suddenly it's, if you're a real Christian, you need to boycott this business. I'll make that choice for me. Don't make it a, a symptom of my faith. 
I get bothered when it's like, you can't vote for that person because they believe this. Well, you shouldn't vote for that person because they believe that. It's ridiculous. Let me make my choice. I'll let you make your choice. And we'll maintain unity in the bonds of peace and we'll be good. But we've got to tell the sinners where they're going. Sure. With gentleness. Now, I am not saying that there hasn't been somebody saved from somebody standing on a street corner saying, you're going to hell. I am not saying that that hasn't saved anybody. But I don't think that's a great track record, most likely. Because most people, unless God has done a ton of work, most people will hear that and go, F you. (laughs) Or they'll drown you out. Like I'm sure people have got saved. Because I'm sure God has worked enough that somebody heard that and felt the conviction. I am sure. But I've also talked to people that have done that and said, how many people have you ever saved doing that? And they said, none. How long have you done it? Because I've talked to people at this PSU has a whole contingent of people that do that. And I've said, how, I've talked to them once. I said, how many people have you saved? I haven't saved one person through this. What do you do? Well, that's not my ministry. Your ministry isn't to save anybody? No, my ministry is to tell the truth. I'm a truth speaker. I'm a prophetic voice calling out in the wilderness. And I'm like, it's funny, you picked the last old covenant prophet to model yourself after. It's interesting. I don't see gentleness. I don't see respect. I'm not saying there's no, see, gentleness isn't weakness. Gentleness isn't weakness. There is strength. You know, it's stronger to stand there and turn the other cheek than to rear your fist back. We don't war with flesh and blood. But we, but we do. We make that mistake. And we cover them. We, you know what we do? We cover them in Satan and so we can attack them. We say they're, they're an enemy. They're the enemy. Do you, can I tell you what? If somebody came up to me and said, I'm a Satanist, I still wouldn't hate them. I still shouldn't hate them. I think Satan's my Lord. That's great. You're lost, and I feel so sad for you. But you're not my enemy. Satan is my enemy. The guy you think is your Lord is my enemy. And I feel sad for you because his plan for you is death and destruction. But I don't hate you. I burn churches. There are groups. There are Satanist groups burning churches in Europe. I don't hate them. I don't battle with flesh and blood. You know, it's really interesting because we do, yeah, we don't battle with flesh and blood. I also don't battle with the political system. I also don't battle with the economic system. I don't use those tools and those weapons. I don't think we should use those tools and weapons. When Paul said respect all authority because it is ordained by God, do you know who he was talking about? He was talking about the emperor Nero. The Emperor Nero is considered by many historians to be the worst persecutor of Christians ever. This is the man who said, respect and obey authority, because it is God ordained. The man that blamed 
Christians for the burning of Rome and use that as an excuse to kill hundreds and thousands of Christians in terrible, bloody ways. And he said, ordained by God. So you respect and obey. The world, we need to understand this. We don't battle with flesh and blood, so take up the armor. What comes after that? Most of our Bibles have a break, which we kind of think, new idea. What comes after the armor of God? Paul says, pray. We don't battle with flesh and blood, so take on the full armor of God and pray. We don't get that, though. Take up the full armor of God and protest. Take up the full armor of God and vote. Take up the full armor of God and boycott. Take up the full armor of God and post. And I'm not trying to tell you don't do any of that because you are you. You have your agency. Stop tying your faith to it. Because if you really ask God, should I be doing this? I wonder what he'll say. Guys, I don't pledge allegiance to the flag. Not because I don't like America. Not because I'm not grateful. I am super grateful I was born in America. I am so grateful. America has issues. It does. I don't, I'm not blind to the issues of my country. But I don't pledge allegiance to the flag because I take it to heart that I'm a citizen of heaven, not of earth. That I don't put, and I try not to put anything before God. So I pledge allegiance to God and I'm grateful to be an American. I'm not saying you can't pledge allegiance to the flag. I'm just sharing. That's why I don't. Now I don't go around saying you shouldn't. And when I'm in a situation where people are doing that, I don't step back to be offensive, I'll put my hand on my heart, and I'll say, watermelon, 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 watermelon. Because I don't want to be offensive to anybody. But that's my conviction, right? I just really, just really have this deep conviction that if every Christian just decided to pray, instead of post or protest, we'd actually change things more quickly, more deliberately, more effectively. When we use the strength that God gives us and the skills and the strategy that God gives us, and we actually war in the spirit instead of in the natural, I think we'd accomplish a lot more. I want to end on this. Matthew 11, 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. A yoke was a wooden beam 
that they put on, and this time mainly oxen, to work a field or to pull a load. Now at that time, it would either go across the horns or the throat. And it was hard and it was difficult. If you were an oxen and you were yoked across the throat, two things happened. When you pulled the load, the yoke would press against your throat and strangle you. The heavier the load, the more it would strangle you. If the driver was directing you, they would pull and make the yoke press your throat so you would move so it would ease. But that's why it was hard. You were driven with a prod because you didn't want to move because when you moved, you were choked. If it was across your horns, you could be led easier, but it was still very painful. The weight of what you were loading was uh, focused on two points on your head, and it was very painful. So you had to get goaded to do it if it, if it was hard. So when Jesus is saying this, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's saying two things. I direct you with gentleness. And when I ask you to do something, I'm not choking you. For I am gentle and humble in heart. I think sometimes... The hardest thing to do is accept that we don't have to work. I think that's the hardest, because it goes, it goes counter to everything the world teaches us. The world says you have to work, you have to earn, you have to prove, you have to do, you have to be strong. And we sometimes take that attitude into our Christian faith. And we have to earn, we have to strive. And it can't be easy. It can't be easy. It's not fair. It doesn't feel right. I feel sorry for my wife sometimes because she gets these lines more than anybody because she lives with me. Because the one thing about Christianity that I can't stand is talking about pick up the cross. Crucify your flesh daily. Here's what I can't stand about it, because it's accurate. I can't stand the people that go, it's a hard, painful process full of sacrifice every day. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Jesus said, take up my cross. Paul said, put on the new man. Take off the old man. It's the same thing. Jesus said, pick up my cross. But he said, but don't worry, because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So, Father, I just pray right now that you would begin to show us the areas that we have made it hard, the areas that we have rejected gentleness for strength, 
out of fear, out of a sense that we have to earn something, out of a sense that this is how it's supposed to be. I just show us, begin to reveal your truth. Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth come right now and begin to reveal the truth that when we take up the cross and follow Jesus, his yoke is easy, his burden is light. That when we gaze upon Jesus and become more like Jesus, we become gentle and humble in heart. Jesus, come. Come as our Savior who is gentle and humble in heart. Remind us how you came to us so that we can model how we go before others. Father, teach us that your love is greater than our fear. Teach us that your purpose is greater than anything that man can come up with. Show us how to be strong, but be strong in submission to love. I just pray that if anything I said was hard, controversial, or offensive, I pray that you would come with a soothing oil. That if I said anything hard that was true, that you would come and help us take it. If I said anything that doesn't apply, that it would just fall. Minister team, if you would come up. I just want to invite you this morning, if you've listened to this message and you said, I need to learn to be gentle, to submit my strength to Jesus. submit my desire to help, my desire to encourage to Jesus so that I can come with gentleness, I would invite you to come and receive ministry this morning. If you heard this message and you said, man, it just doesn't feel right that his burden is easy and his yoke is light. I don't feel that. It feels heavy. It feels like a burden. It feels like I'm dragging regret, pain, sin, and I don't want to anymore. I invite you to come up and receive ministry this morning. So Jesus, I just thank you for who you are. I thank you for who you are, and I just pray that more and more the spirit of revelation would come and reveal you to us more and more so that we may look at you and be transformed into your likeness. In Jesus' name, amen.